Welcome to Short Course, episode 40, for November 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. It's been a week since Factory Gun Nationals wrapped up, and we drove back from, from Florida over the weekend, so I'm back in the, the normal podcasting studio here. There, I have a lot to, to say about Nationals, and I think the, the first thing to talk about is just the fact that, from my perspective, it went really well as an event. I think it was very well organized. I think it was probably the best Nationals in a while. Last year last year was a pretty good Nationals. It ran very well, but I think the, the main complaint coming out of, of the, the last St. George Nationals was just that the stages were very samey. They, they didn't have a lot of variety. They were very stand and shoot. And so they just weren't that interesting. I'm, I'm speaking of Ironsights Nationals, the 2017 Ironsights Nationals, which was production and limited. And the all, all three Nationals this year, back to back to back, were, I think, had a very similar flavor. I'm not sure how the, the Open Nationals did have one more stage. It was 22 instead of 21 stages, but apparently that was causing a backup. So they cut a stage. And everything else was flowing on time. All the stuff I talked about last week, the zone system, the, the AMPM schedules, everything just, it just worked. It was, it, it was very unexciting. Everything, everything just, you showed up to the stages, everything ran on a schedule. It was, it was very well run. I think as a nationals experience, it, it, it worked. Logistically, I don't know whether having all the, the nationals in the same spot was more work condensed into one or in, in ended up saving work overall, or if it was more hassle trying to have everything lined up at once. I don't have any visibility into that, but as a competitor, just going and shooting one match, it, it worked. I, I thought it was very well done. The stages were definitely better this year than, than last year, I think. And that's even including the, the smattering of standard stages I know that this match got a, a bit of a reputation. People were calling it classifier nationals or whatever, which it definitely was. There, there certainly was some intent to have some stages in every nationals, be able to set some legitimate nationals level high hit factors for those classifiers and enter them in with with good data. I mean, the the last time new classifiers were added is I believe 2013, and they had some high hit factor data from nationals but not in all the divisions, and some of them were pretty goofed up and needed some adjusting pretty badly. So hopefully this will be a chance to handle that a little bit better. And I, I honestly, now, at the door, I gotta say, I think that having a mix of short and long stages, having field courses and technical speed shoots, I think having a mix of both is a good thing. I think I think nationals should always include these kinds of technical stand-and-deliver type challenges. If anything, in my opinion, the standard stages had too much movement in them. Almost every stage that had strong and weak, you were moving box to box while doing the reload or something like that. There was there was the one stage where it was two strings and you just drew freestyle, reloaded to strong hand, and then second string was draw freestyle, reload to weak. But I think off the top of my head, most of the other stages, you you had a reload on the move and it was two strings to kind of absorb some of the some of the suck if you weren't very good at one-handed shooting. So if anything, I, I that, that was my only complaint there. I think those are fundamental technical skills that should be tested. It shouldn't be the whole sport, but I think it should be a non-trivial 10-20% part of your score in, in, in the nationals. I think that should be tested. You know, people talk about 
the fact that classifiers aren't representative of matches. And the conclusion they draw from that is let's have classifiers be more like matches. So they want classifiers with more room to move and more shooting on the move and that kind of thing. And that might be interesting for variety, but I actually look at it the other way. I think, okay, let's make matches more like classifiers, or at least some stages in matches more like classifiers. Let's have more speed shoots, more stand and deliver, more classifier style stages up to and including nationals. I I mean, to me, I think having nationals include a couple of existing 99 series classifiers and just see how people shoot them at, at nationals and use that as the basis for recalibrating high hit factors if you need to. I know they did all the statistics to come up with the, the newly revised high hit factors in the, in the recent classifier update. But to me, if you want to really evaluate those, start throwing them in at nationals or probably even better area matches. Have, say, these three classifiers are going to be run at a couple area matches because in area matches, you get people in every division where nationals tend to be segmented into the different gear divisions. And so if you want to get high hit factor data for all of the divisions, you have to do something like this nine days of nationals thing, but put them in a big enough match where people aren't going to sandbag them or hero or zero them, put them into area matches, put them into nationals matches and evaluate the high hit factor data based on that. Just an idea. So I liked the standard stages. I think it was a good mix. I think overall the, the round count diversity was good. I thought the, especially some of the standards were interesting. Some of the two string ones with on the move, uh, shooting, you know, moving forward and moving backwards. I I thought were, I thought were pretty interesting. The stages flowed well. Uh, Overall, it was, I think it was just, it was a non-issue. Nobody's talking about how the match ran because it ran so well. And that lack of chatter, I think is, is a, is a huge endorsement. So props to everybody involved with, with running that match. It, It was, yeah, it was good. As far as the production match in particular, I think, but I, th- I mean, this was largely true of all the matches, but looking at something like production, I think the stages did a very good job of separating the competitors. And what I mean by that is there were two years in 2015 and 2016 when production nationals was hosted at PASA and say whatever you will about it. The matches, the stages had a very particular flavor that did not serve to separate the competition very well. So if you look at 2015, the top two and three guys are within 99% of, of the match winner. And if you look at 2016, it's the same thing. One, two, and three, number three is at 99.27% of the winner. So there was this big bunching where the top three were separated by three quarters of a percent. And so basically what that says is the stages aren't differentiating the shooters enough. They aren't giving the shooters enough room to show their skill. And so they're just all kind of shooting the same way and, and the scores end up bunching up a lot. And that that didn't really happen here. The only match that was really close is the PCC match, which was first and second were separated by 1%. And in that scenario, I think I think part of that is just PCC because you can shoot so fast with the rifle and and that sort of thing, you it actually group bunches competitors just because the the shooting itself is, I think, less emphasized because you can split so fast and be so accurate and you don't have to reload. So, but maybe it's just a statistical anomaly. Maybe next year they'll they'll separate out again. But as far as separating the shooters in in almost every other division, the the top one, two, three, four were all separated by at least a percent, 
there started to be some bunching once you got like two and three might be close together or three and four might be close together, but it wasn't one of these matches where the, the winner was just by a tiny sliver. The The winner in each division was usually by a by good a margin, most notably the open division. JJ Rakaza just blew out the field and second was at 93 or 94%, something like that. So that tells you that the stages are rewarding skill or at least are rewarding a particular type of, of shooting. But again, it's hard to say that they rewarded a particular style because there was so much diversity. There was standards, there was strong, there was weak, there was stand and deliver, there was shooting on the move, there was distance, there was close hosing. It was it was a very diverse set of challenges that I think represents the breadth of the sport in a, in a good weighted way. So as far as nationals representing a thorough test of, of all the different skills, I, I think it was good. And I think the stages did a good job of, of separating competitors. So one thing that I found super interesting was the opportunity to compare the back-to-back performance in the open match and then production versus single stack. So Nils Jonasson and JJ Rakaza both shot the first match, the optics match, and the factory gun match. In the op- in the optics match, they both shot open, so they shot heads up in open. And JJ won the open match. Nils came in about nine percent behind him at ninety one percent. Then you go to the factory match, and Nils won the overall in that match, shooting eight round single stack major, and JJ came in in the overalls. If you combine production where he was shooting 10 round minor, obviously JJ came in at about 98% of nils. So nils lost open by 9%. So if you want to use that as sort of an objective heads up shooter skill measure, assuming their, their guns ran about equally as well and everything else, which I don't know if that's the case, but just assuming that, that he then was able to win in the overall in the factory match by 2%, add that together the with these with this set of stages, eight round minor was about an eleven percent advantage over ten round or sorry eight round major was about an eleven percent advantage over ten round minor. I thought that was super interesting. It, it's not often that you get to see a heads up comparison like that. You know, we'll see matches like Battle in the Bluegrass where single stack and production are heads up, but you don't necessarily know if the smaller single stack talent pool is enough to offset the advantage of eight-round major in the overalls, but the fact that two guys, two high-level guys, shot up against each other the day before and were able to, to measure on an even playing field, and then one of them went to single-stack major and the other went to production minor and got to race again for three more days, I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, that said, this set of stages, I think particularly the strong and weekend stuff, was probably more forgiving shooting Charlies on the on the standards you're you're not really aiming in on a's if you're if you're shooting major you can eat a lot more charlies when you're when you're taking the harder strong and weak shots this match wasn't super heavy on partials particularly on say high risk no shoot partials most of the the partials that were there were tuxedo type partials or uh you had the whole a zone of some kind or another if it was hard cover so i I definitely think you can't necessarily generalize this result to the whole sport, but at least at this match, statistically, shooting eight-round major was approximately a 10% advantage, which, like I said, I thought that was a pretty interesting data point to calculate. And the last thing I'll say about the, the match administration and everything is just that the we did have one rules question that involved calling for the, the range master to come to the bay, 
And because I, I don't know exactly how many range masters there were, I know of at least two, maybe three, maybe they had one assigned per zone. I, I wasn't exactly clear, but we got on the radio, the, the, the CRO got on the radio, range master rolled up on his gator maybe two minutes later, probably less than that. Hopped off the gator, competitor stated the question, range master thought about it, rendered his verdict, and stage kept rolling on. So multiple range masters, having them on the gator, having having that main avenue in, in Frostproof where they could just zip up and down, it worked really well. The match just kept flowing. So it was a good experience. I wanted to talk a little bit about the prize table, which is funny because I am on record and I, I stand by this by saying that I don't think prizes in USPSA particularly matter. I don't think I don't think the monetary value of any prize, especially at a big match like nationals, can really compensate for how much you invest over the course of the year. So I, I don't say this to in the vein of, oh man, this is the sport's moving in the right direction. Maybe next year, you know, if you win nationals, you can offset some of your costs. No, that, that's not what I'm looking for. But I do want to recognize that the prize table at this match was objectively better than than last year. They they had more prizes, better prizes. And part of the reason that's interesting and I'll get to my particular performance later, but I had the interesting distinction of placing exactly the same spot this year as last year. I came in 25th in production. Last year, I believe there were something like 11 guns on the prize table. And so 25th was, I got a, a box of bullets to reload and a $50 gift certificate for a holster, which was fine. I wasn't expecting anything, but that gives you a rough idea of what 25th got last year. And this year, by the time I made it to the prize table, I actually, I narrowly missed getting a CZ P10C gift certificate, and I ended up picking up a gift certificate for a Ruger Mark IV 2245 Lite, which actually, I, I think, I don't even know if I would have taken the, the P10C if I'd had the option, because I don't really need another plastic compact gun, but I don't actually have a, a 22 pistol. I don't shoot much 22, but... I've been talking about getting one just because it's a fun gun to have. And so the fact that placing 25th, I, I did manage to get a reasonably valuable prize that honestly, I'm, I'm planning on getting the gun and keeping it and probably get it like laser engraved to say 2018 nationals. Like that'll be, that'll be my trophy. And it'll be a little reminder of the time that I placed, you know, 25th at the, the 2018 nationals, but it'll be something I can use. It's not it's not another holster. It's not another carry gun that I that I don't kind of need another one of. But I feel like twenty two fun guns are something you can always use one more of. So I'm actually pleasantly surprised about that prize. Now it's not going to weight my decision making as to whether to go to nationals next year or not because I got a prize this year. It's it's pure gravy. It's purely an added bonus. But I think it is it is worth recognizing that. Clearly, more work went into drumming up sponsors and and stacking the prize table deeper. And honestly, I, th I think having this kind of prize on the prize table, having fun guns more so than either competition specific stuff. I mean, I, I didn't see what the what the winner got, but I would assume, given that CZ was sponsoring the factory gun match, he probably got a Shadow Two. That would just make sense. But he doesn't shoot a, a, a Shadow Two, so. Pinstegger one with a Tanfolio stock two again. So he might, you know, who knows what he's going to do with the shadow two, assuming that's what the certificate was for. But to me, I think having prizes that are more kind of fun guns like this, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. I'm pretty happy with it. And I, I think I'm going to keep it and shoot it. So, and if I'd gotten the P10C, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't, I, I probably would just flip it for the money because I don't, like I said, I don't really need another compact polymer gun. I've got a couple of them and 
I don't really want to get a whole bunch of new holsters, mags, and everything and, and deal with that. But a 22 fun gun, there's always, there's always room for one more of those. Something else that I, I did enjoy about Nationals was just getting to meet all of you guys, or many of you guys. Everyone that, that came up and said, hey, or, or that they enjoyed the podcast, or, or they appreciated it. I mean, I, I see the download numbers every week, and I get emails here and there from, from you guys, but actually having real people come up and say, hey, thanks for doing the podcast. You know, I, I benefit from it. Here's, you know, learn something. Um, that, that meant a lot. And, and so everybody who, who came up and, and said something or, or said hi or introduced themselves genuinely. Thank you. I, I, it's knowing that, that it helps you guys is, is what keeps me doing it because one, one comment that I did get a couple times was just wishing that, that there were more episodes, which I, I would like to put out more episodes too, but as it is to make one of these 20, 25 minute episodes between planning and organizing the content, actually recording it and then editing it and posting it, it takes about, it takes about three hours. So it's about half of, or, or three quarters of an evening after work one day a week. And so that's, that's about all I can commit to now, but I do, I do make an effort with each episode to make it not necessarily topical to the, to the immediate moment. I try and make them sort of evergreen. So if you ever find yourself wishing there were more episodes, this is, this is episode 40. The first episodes that came out are more than six months old. And especially the first 10 have maybe half the download numbers of this episode once it posts. So at least half of you haven't listened to the first 10 episodes. Doesn't bother me, but if you're, if you want more content, I tried from the very beginning to make them high quality and make them evergreen and, and always topical. So scroll back through the list. Even if you've already listened to something, listen to it again. I try and make these dense so they, they bear re-listening to. So give that a shot. And, and that's the, that's the, the best answer I have. If you wish there were more episodes is, is uh, don't be afraid to dig back into the archive. I, I think they're pretty decent if I do say so myself. All right. So my performance, I came in the same plate. So last year at nationals, I placed 25th at 80% of the match winner or the production division winner, Ben Steger. This year I placed 25th as well at 82.5%, which I would say I'm reasonably happy about for a couple of reasons. One is I know that Steger has been training a lot this year, so he's probably better. He probably put up better scores. The talent pool was significantly deeper this year than it was last year in, in production. So even just keeping the same spot there, staying at the same level in a deeper pool is a bit of an accomplishment. Making progress upward on the percentage is, is an accomplishment. And like I was talking about on the episode last week, most of this past year spawned by nationals last year has been very fundamental rebuilding of, of grip and trigger pull. And so the fact that I was able to show some improvement in what I felt like in retrospect is a bit of a rebuilding year. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. So obviously, you know, it would have been cool for it to be higher, but I, I haven't necessarily been practicing my butt off this year with the classes and everything. So to have made some forward progress and know that what I'm doing is working. And if I work on it harder, I will probably continue to see results. That's, that's motivating, but I'm, I'm content with, with the result. I am definitely happy with the fact that I did not have a single gun issue every single round fired. I was having, you know, light primer strikes earlier this year that turned out to be not seating the, the primers on my press deep enough. And so I, I was having nightmares about getting to nationals and finding that, that my primers were too high or something like that, or firing pin spring was wearing out or hammer spring was wearing out or recoil spring that I haven't changed in a while was getting too soft and wouldn't chamber around. 
None of those things happened. Every single round went off. Guns functioned flawlessly. No stove pipes, no short strokes, nothing. So happy about that. Other than that, I'm still reserving judgment on on my actual performance. I would say that the high level things I take away, the the I mean the headline thing of my performance at this match was I just shot way too many points down. I I only picked up a few penalties, but I dropped a lot of Charlies. I mean there was at least two stages I think where I had double digits of Charlies. So it would be 17 alpha, 14 Charlie, something atrocious like that. And that that just came from the fact that I've been working so much on grip and speed that now the pendulum has sort of swung too far into the just trusting my index and, and pulling the trigger on brown and not aiming in enough and, and getting alpha. So that, that provides some clear direction going forward. There are a couple other things that, that I'm trying to evaluate from, from my performance, particularly around movement that I've kind of known about. But honestly, at this point, I, I haven't really gone through and, and done my thorough self-analysis of, of the match. I did just this week. I got all the footage edited together. It's 14 minutes long if you want to watch all the stages from first person and third person on, on YouTube. But that's uploaded now. And now that I've got that assembled, I can go through and actually do my analysis of it. E- even just as I was watching the stages editing and watching the edited video all put together, I feel like every time I watch the video, I still see different aspects of my performance. So I, I haven't I haven't come to any sort of firm conclusions yet about what I want to take away from the match. And I also I just I don't I don't want to make any firm conclusions just yet because we do still have the North Carolina the rescheduled North Carolina state championship two weeks from now. So I'm I'm really not trying to make any major changes before then. I'm just going into that with the attitude of shoot the way you shot, but get more points. That that that's my mindset. And then after that, in mid November, once I shoot that, then then that'll be the time to sort of draw up plans for next year. And I, I have to say, that's that's one thing that does bother me a little bit. The way that people are talking about this nationals, I, I'm seeing comments here and there where people say, you know, oh, I went to nationals and had a bunch of problems, but training starts today to start fixing them. And, or something like that, you know, oh, I, I identify my weaknesses and now it's time to start crushing them. It's like, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the case yet. I don't know that, that you have enough time and enough perspective and enough distance from viewing the results to really learn all the lessons from nationals. Even if you only shot one, like I did, if you shot multiple, there's, I mean, it's, I think it was a total of 66 stages. There's so much data in 66 stages. There's no way you've processed it all already and, and really seen what needs to be changed. And I think people saying that they just they're so disappointed in their performance that by saying that they can they can pretend like they've completed the self-analysis and they're acting on it when really they're just kind of finding a way to sweep the bad performance under the rug and pretend like they're improving. That that's just my read on it, but I feel like it's way too early to really be drawing too many conclusions from from a a performance like this. Like I said, I'm I'm still seeing different aspects of, of my own shooting, just watching my own videos. And I, if I'm really looking at this on a year long time scale, it's fine to take a week or two to process this performance and evaluate it moving forward and, and not try and shield my ego by saying, yep. Okay. Identified the two problems out of these 21 stages. And now it's, it's time to work on those. Like there's, there's probably more than two problems and there's probably a variety of severities. So 
don't be afraid to to kind of let you let yourself sit with the performance for a while and think about it and and evaluate it on multiple levels before you decide that you've learned all the lessons and you're closing the door on that chapter and moving on because if you find yourself rushing to feel like you need to close the door and move on it's probably because at some level you're still ashamed of it and you don't know how to fix it and so you just want to ignore it and move past it and pretend like it never happened which is a great way to protect your ego not such a great way to continue to get better and actually learn the lessons from the mistakes you made at this point so that's my attitude I'm uh, looking forward to, to undergoing that that self-analysis and, and really figuring out how to how to structure my training for next year. But I, I think this set of stages, like I said, was was a great test. I think it gave me a lot of data and I think it was representative of the sport. And so I, I think it's I think it's a good representation of, of my current skill level, which is good. That's what nationals should be, I think. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch, my email is podcast at barryshooting.com. I post my match videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash Talk to you next time.